What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> I've seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big mm-hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Hello, hello, and welcome back to Chris the Corn Podcast. I'm the great and powerful mystery. And I am Jay Clone 47. And we're finally wrapping it up. Chicago Mothman. Why are, why are Mothman sagas always just like the insane? longest thing ever? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This one's going to be a really chunky episode because, and I think maybe I was a little harsh on Chicago last week because I was done with it. Well, maybe Cause we have a lot of Chicago listeners because I, I get notifications from anybody's on the website. Yeah, it's all like Schumburg, Illinois. Like it's just all these Chicago areas. And I'm like, uh, I feel well, I think, bad for all the people that live there. Yeah, me too. I did say the only positive thing was the food. Hey, you can't beat that. And uh, Michigan Avenue's nice. I went to a bar there once and had some nice food. I've been to a lot of Chicago bars. Hmm. There's a lot of nice ones. I've only been there once. It depends on where you're at in Chicago. Yeah, true. All right, so we're going to get into the why. We did all the sightings up until the modern ones, uh, but we also I want to talk. Take a second. We're going to talk about all the types of Mothman being seen through this series. We've discussed that th- there's not really a consensus to the things being seen. Correct. Why'd you move over there? I'm, I'm removing my shoes so I can sit Indian style. <sighs> now I'm ready for her podcast focus. I hope you fall. Why? I just hope you fall. Anyways, <laughs> there's classical Mothman, which is extremely rare as far as the Chicago Mothman sightings. Right, but the only one was seen on the a well, couple, a few, been a couple on the O'Hare on the airport. Yep, uh, the big bug, mm-hmm. which is a, around four foot tall, very insectoid, big eyes, you know, almost like a, a fly or something like that. There's the one or two mantis things that have been seen. Yeah, uh, the one that was literally like a green praying mantis on one of the buildings. Thunderbird. Like, several of these were just Thunderbirds seemed to be lumped in, or just extremely large, very avian. Yeah. Then the owls. Okay. Several of them have been just either big owls or like paranormal owls. The pterodactyls. Yeah, a get, few of those. Yeah, get thrown in out of nowhere. Every once in a while, it's just a random pterodactyl sighting. Literally large or giant bats. 
Mm-hmm. Been a big handful of those. Flying and walking. Yeah, just big bats. Mm-hmm. Small flying monkeys. Large gargoyles. Yep. Angels slash demons. By this, I mean these men or men-like things that are extremely tall, like the Enderman from Minecraft with wings. A guy in a suit, which has been described several times. And even an organic UFO. So that's 12 different variances of whatever this phenomena around this whole area is. And like we talked about that, the, I think the Mothman, just the word Mothman is being used as a blanket. In, yeah, all these things. Because it's weird, paranormal and stuff like that. But it's definitely, it's odd that Chicago has all these the Great Lakes area, you know. Odd, you odd. say. So what the heck happened in Chicago? Why is it so weird? How does it connect to the Mothman? You thought Point Pleasant had a lot of bad stuff happen in its past? Well, Chicago's even worse. <sighs> as far as all, all kinds of crazy stuff. I didn't really know how to do this moving into this. Uh, I left a lot out. There's still a lot here. You almost made a Weird Al reference, too, by the way. Actually, you kind of did. I well, No, I didn't make a Weird Al reference because I didn't know it. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you. Yeah. Then, I caught it. Then it's not a reference. Oh, Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the mob. Ooh. Uh, Al Capone? The, uh, well, we're going to talk about his successor, actually. Oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, Al Capone did run Chicago. Right, yeah. We're going to talk about his successor. That Probably the reason he had so much success is because he learned from Al's, Al Capone wanted to be famous. Okay. Al Capone liked being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, he ended like he ended. Uh, Tony, I'm going to say Arcado. Arcado? A-C-C-A-R-D-O. A-C-C-A-R-D-O. Accardo? Accardo? Accardo, sure. Tony Accardo uh, was the exclusive Chicago mobster who succeeded Al Capone. That sounds, it sounds mobstery, that yeah. name. Uh, but he's also responsible for the V-Day Massacre, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm, okay. He's also known as the Big Tuna or Joe Batters. Yeah. Tony ruled Chicago's outfit for well over 40 years. He only spent one night in jail the entire time. Oh, wow. One night? You imagine accidentally being that cop? Because most cops probably knew to leave him alone. You're right, yeah. Arrest him for whatever, you know, like a driving without a license or something. And then, and then you get the back of the station, they're like, let him out. Like, who's back there? Oh, I don't know. Some, he said his name, some tuna fish or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, great, now we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Tony eventually rose to the top of Chicago's mafia. In Prohibition era Chicago, there was no question that Al Capone ruled the city's underworld. But in 1931, the fearsome mobster was put behind bars for tax evasion. Hmm. I think that's funny. A lot of people don't realize that about Al Capone. They just they maybe, couldn't get him for anything else yeah. but tax evasion. And literally, what was he like? Three life sentences for tax evasion. Yeah, that's fishy. Well, it's it's the only thing they could. Really attached to him, and they yeah. wanted to, when they caught him, they wanted to make sure he stuck behind bars. Yeah, though he was eventually released. I'm oh, sorry. Yes, though he was eventually released, his health had declined that he was unable to lead the Chicago outfit anymore. And there was talks that uh, I've heard some things that, like Al started talking to like the devil Jeez. in his cells, like not like he was worshiping the devil. No, no, no. Like he was losing his mind. He was speaking to entities that weren't yeah, there. Yeah. Have you ever seen his cell? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh, it had like it had like carpeting, and he had like a nook and every like. So they took care of him. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it was unwise not to. And for a while, it was unclear who the best man was to take the job after Al Capone. And that was, that's where Tony enters. Though Tony started as out of one of Capone's low-ranking associates, he quick, quickly and quietly moved up the ranks of the Chicago Mafia as, as time went on. He worked as Capone's uh, he worked as Capone's bodyguard before becoming captain of his own street crew, and eventually he would take over the entire outfit. So he wow. started at the bottom, worked his way up. Started from the bottom, now he's mm-hmm. here. Working from the shadows rather than the limelight, Tony regarded over Chicago's mob, reigned over Chicago's mob for over 40 years. During this time, he used his status to move the criminal organization into new operations in territories, bringing it to one of the most powerful and wealthy than it had been in decades. Hmm. So, yeah, he learned a lot from seeing Al Capone fall. Yeah. And, like, Al was always out in public, always doing this stuff. For years, they didn't know Tony was running the show. He ran it so quietly from the shadows. Huh. And he would let others, like, kind of speak for him and stuff, like, you know, to kind of hide. Right, completely. yeah. As though, you know, Tony never reached the same level of notoriety as Capone. And to this day, not nearly as many people know about his name. But many experts believe this is one of the reasons he was so successful and the mob grew so strong is a test to his intelligence also. As one mutual associate put it, Tony has the brains er, Tony has more brains for breakfast than Al Capone ever had in his all day. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course is that after Al Capone's like dead. No one would ever be caught dead or be caught saying that when when he endured his heyday. So we're going to talk about uh, the massacre. So do you know, like, Capone's trusted uh, Tony so much that he may have been asked for him to participate in the 1929 St. Valentine's Day Massacre. In this infamous incident, four unknown men were viciously gunned down, seven men who were working for George Bugs Marone, Capone's most notorious rival. Wait, four men were gunned down? Is that what you said? Four own, no, no, four unknown men viciously gunned down oh. seven workers. Oh, so seven people were killed. Yes. Okay. And they were basically just pulled up and just lit them up. That's so like, you know, a norm, you know who did it. Like a normal day in Chicago now. Yeah, kind of. Like it's definitely a mob hit versus gang violence. Right. It's yeah. Definitely more organized. Orchestrated. Yeah. So the massacre saw seven associates of Chicago's Northside gang gunned down. Al Capone was suspe- sus- suspected in organizing the hit. And Tony was accused of participating. Ah. Just before Tony took over, obviously. But the Saints of Valentine's Day massacre sent shockwaves through Chicago, causing the government to crack down harder on organized crime than it ever had in the city before. And this wasn't the only setback for the mob. In 1931, Capone was finally guilty, you know, found guilty of tax evasion, sent to prison. And then in 1933, prohibition ended. So that was their biggest business. Moving booze. Yeah. Yeah. So they lost Capone. And then two years later, they lost their biggest source of income. Right, yeah. Uh, so that was you know, two giant hits. While the distribution of alcohol was once again legal, the outfit had to find a new source of income. And, of course, the mob also needed to find a new leader. Around the same time, uh, Tony had made capo, or captain, in his own street crew, and he started moving up the ranks. Basically, it's just, I, I want to put this in there to show this long history of violence in Chicago. yeah. And that the mob, you know, Tony, Tony reigned for almost 40 years. Dang. But yeah. Any questions about that? Oh, no. It is. It is funny, though. Like the Valentine's Day massacre went literally how bad Chicago is now. 
there's there's mass massacres pretty much every single well, week. Let's say massacres. There's a bunch of homicides and murders. Yeah, massacre is kind of you know it's like mass murder, literally yeah. massacre. Yeah, mass murder. I know. It's just, I mean, this has. I'm sure the Valentine's Day massacre has its own like Wikipedia page. It was so big, but now it's like Chicago is so used to this. And Tony ended up getting kind of accused, you know, uh, why he was, you know, I thought it was funny. Why he was called the big tuna is he freshly, he started catching fish, going down and catching fishing for tuna. Huh? And he caught a 400 pound tuna. Oh, wow. And that's how he got his nickname, the big tuna. That's pretty sweet. There was also some weird superstitions and, and stuff around Tony. Okay. Uh, nobody is quite sure. Then this is a bunch of hearsay, obviously. Uh, he was practicing some kind of extra religion. Some people said it may have been satanic. Others weren't sure. Nobody's really quite talking about it because huh. they didn't. It was the he was the head of the mob. Right. You don't want to. Yeah. So there's not there's just a lot of hearsay about that, and that's kind of why I tied it in. And Al hmm. Al Capone got blamed or got accused of a lot of that stuff also of doing these satanic rituals. Hmm. No proof to it. Right. You know, it's hearsay. Hmm. But I just thought it was, you know, tied it to kinda, tie that in. Kind of interesting. Uh, so previous episodes, we talked about the Chicago UFOs. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hop around a lot, if anybody can't tell. There's a lot of just stuff we got to get to. Okay. And I tried to find the one I was talking about in previous episodes where the UFO was seen and it caused... Uh, it didn't happen one time, is what I found out. Oh. That's why I couldn't remember the date very well. Because there's multiple Because it happened occurrence. a lot. Okay. UFO seen over O'Hare started in about 16 and happened pretty often. Like 2016? Yeah. Okay. And it just kept happening. Okay. Uh, so I have a whole bunch of sightings for you. That's from the N-U-F-O-R-C sightings. This occurred on 8-20-18. Chicago, I know the duration was a little less than four hours. Tons of observers. It's lights on object. Security camera sighted over O'Hare International Airport. I live in east of I live east of the O'Hare International Airport and recently set up a security camera pointing almost directly west overlooking the airfield sky. I set up my security camera to only record motion, uh, free 14 day of motion recording, and let it run. The next day, I decided to check out, out that nighttime motion triggers, thinking it would get me another raccoon or a skunk sighting. Instead, I got something really I can't explain. I first checked the recording at 5.09 a.m., and I noticed unusual insect tripped the motion. Upon further inspection, started going back in time every about every 20 minutes, and I noticed that there were two lights that were roughly floating in the same position, but they kept going back in time around four hours to 12.47 a.m. to see if I could find where these lights had entered the frame. Lights appeared above the tree line and rapidly moved up and over the assumed position where they remained for over four hours directly over the airport. Whoa. It looks like the pair of lights were connected by something, probably an aircraft, because the, they were moving in such unison. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it, it stayed there, so it was like hovering. Yeah, she's seen it come basically right a frame, move up over the airport, and then stick Stop. there for four hours. Four hours. And to their, uh, they weren't sure if the lights started coming up and they just couldn't see the craft anymore or okay. if it left at oh. 5.09. Okay. Yeah, yeah, weird one. Next one is the same month, but the 13th instead of the 20th and of 2018. And it's over O'Hare again. 18 or 16? This one was- this, These are all 18, I think. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. 
I think uh, I picked 18 because there was a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Kind of stacked. Okay. So this was a triangular-shaped craft near O'Hare Airport. Objects or lights on object again. That's their classifications. Like lights on object are seen. Okay. About two minutes of observation. I seen what I could call a triangle craft, but since it was a nighttime, I really couldn't get a very well-defined shape of it. I did see three incandescent, illuminated, glowing lights. Incandescent. Thank you. Not super bright, like LED lights. In a triangular shape with a pulsing red light in the center. Mm, okay. So you got a red light in the middle and three triangular shaped lights. I live 20 miles west of O'Hare Airport and I always see planes in the sky. At the time, I was seeing the triangle craft and I thought that it's some kind of odd lighting pattern. For its size, I'd say it was mid sized jetliner, an altitude of maybe 1,000 feet. What is, odd is I heard, uh, is, what is odd is I heard engine powering up the craft, but it wasn't going as fast as a typical jet. The reasons I took so long to report this, that I was thinking about watching it in the night sky in the same light pattern with no luck. At the time I had seen it, I was thinking it was that a UFOlogist would call it a UFO. It made me chuckle up a bit. All reports I've read and heard say that it was a silent craft, but I heard a soft roar of engines. Mm, okay. So for these triangles, that's kind of weird. You know, they're almost always quiet. Yep, usually. I mm-hmm. mean, almost every single time. Right, yes, yeah, so it was near the, you know. Next one is... Uh, 2018, 5.23. And uh, about eight minutes, and this is aircraft nearby. Bizarre setting in O'Hare International Airport airspace. During my workday, I was departing an airliner traveling north of O'Hare at 8.15 a.m. at maybe 2,000 feet and climbing. So they're actually working on the aircraft. I thought uh, I thought that there was a potential conflict incursion be- uh, developing within what I thought at the time were two aircrafts, so I continued to watch. The flight that had left O'Hare continued in without incident, and I continued to watch the object heading east and coming towards me, waiting to see what the object really was, and realized it was at a much higher altitude. As it approached, I could faintly see a solid object reflecting in the sun, turning it to a bright point, or a bright pinpoint of light, like a star. From what my vantage point, I would say that the object was a mile north of O'Hare at an altitude of seven to 10,000 feet, and it stopped and stayed in place. I could not make out what it looked like. The weather was almost clear with a few small clouds in the area after minutes it took place, and it moved south towards O'Hare about a mile, then slowly climbed, all the time looking like a bright star. I have no idea what this object is I witnessed. After seeing it, I noticed the departure to north stopped. So, they're working at the airport. Planes. The planes going north stopped. Yep. I called my wife to tell her about the incursion and that she said she, she may have seen something on the news. I would like to call O'Hare about this. I watched the whole thing for probably eight minutes. Very bizarre, very puzzling. Perhaps military surveillance system. I'm very much into aviation, and I'm not making this up. <laughs> Sounds like a plane watcher or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Interesting. And there's there, tons. There, you go onto any of the UFO reporting sites and just type in O'Hare. Yeah. Literally, there was four or five pages. Gosh, dang. All around the airport. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It must be significant for some reason. Oh, wait, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, don't worry, Ooh. baby girl. We'll get there. You're foreshadowing. The fires. So you want to say that we're not going to cover the fires in extreme depth okay. on this episode. 
We're actually going to pass it over to the DW boys because there's oh those guys literally so many conspiracies with the fires. Ooh, so that's perfect for them. And the one, and I and I don't know what's real. What's fa- you know? There's just tons and tons of stuff in. And we don't. I don't want to make this an eight-hour-long thing, right? Yeah, because there's a lot here with the fires, with the cons- with the conspiracy, whether it's to get rid of. We'll talk about it. Okay. Well, they're better at sorting that stuff out than we are. Exactly. So let's leave it to them. So the Great Chicago Fire. Have you ever seen the artist rendition of it? Um, I mean, maybe it is crazy looking, but the streets look completely different. It's just weird because it's not. It doesn't look like Chicago. Almost looks like Rome's on fire. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Approximately of today's money, $222 million in damage. I'm sorry, no. That was how much was done then. Approximately today's money, $5.4 billion. Billions. Jeez, that's insane. Was this what the song, The Night Chicago Died, was about? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I don't know either. This fire started on October 8th of 1871. It did not end until two and a half days later. Wow. Uh, The burned area is approximately... 2,112 acres, <laughs> about the same size as our friend Bob out in Oregon. Oh, that's a big fire. Mm-hmm. The cause is listed as... Oh, oh no, some cow kicked over a lantern. You'll be surprised. It's actually classified as unknown still. Oh, so that's just a still a theory we were all taught in school? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember being taught that in school. I remember just hearing that somewhere. I think they taught us that in school in like second or third grade. I don't grade. think they ever taught me about the Chicago fires. Okay. But this this education between us two, the education system kind of went through a bunch of changes in just oh, a couple yeah, years. Absolutely, yeah. Especially when that new school was built. Do you want to guess how many buildings were destroyed? Um, buildings, shoot, probably in the thousands. Yes. In the four thousands. No. No, darn, more or less. More, a lot more. Oh, shoot, at 9,000. A lot more. A uh, 100,000. About 18,000. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Went from four to hundred. But here's what I thought was weird. Yeah. And until we looked more into it, it became clear. There's only about three hundred estimated deaths. Okay. Estimated. Because they kept very poor records. Yeah. There was a lot of the what you know, a lot of criminal pod like a criminal exploring podcast call The Less Dead. So a lot of these were black people at the time, eighteen seventy one. Oh gosh. It's a so lot of wrong. women and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So a lot of people not accounted for properly. Wow. So the number could be wildly different. And probably is wildly different. Yeah. 300 people estimated they could account for. Gosh dang. Which to me is a, it's a large number of Still people. Still a lot, yeah. But for how much damage was the done. fire did. What, did everyone evacuate town? Like there, That's what the painting is. Yeah. The fire was moving, I guess what you'd call slow. Yeah. Like almost like a wildfire. You know, it's coming in, burning huge swaths of land at a time but kind of crawling slow. Right. So a lot of these paintings show just mass exoduses of people. Yeah. Like all together crowding the street. Uh, cows and stuff were being, because that was the biggest stockyard in the country. Was in Chicago? Yeah. Really? So, you know, thousands of cows and like cattle and birds, like the artist renditions of the stuff that were there at the yeah. time that seen this were insane. It literally looked like hell on earth. Hmm, but it smelled like steak in the air. On people and buildings oh, oh, and asbestos yeah. and lead. And oh, yeah, that too. I don't think it smelled good. <laughs> probably not Chicago. It's probably smelled like a giant burning turd. <laughs> so the Great Chicago Fire was a configuration that burned in the American city of Chicago from October 8th to about midway through hmm. the 10th. The fire killed approximately 300 people, destroying roughly 3.3 square miles, like we talked about the 2,112 acres. 
over 18,000 structures, and it left more than 150,000 residents homeless. Well, that's a lot of displaced people. The fire began in neighborhoods southwest of the city center. The long period of hot, dry, windy conditions and wooded construction prevented or prevailed in the city led to this fire. The fire leapt from the south branch of the Chicago River and destroyed much of the central Chicago, and then leapt the main stem of the river, consuming nearly all the north side. Uh, so it left the rivers. So Chicago actually has a big interchange of shipping canals and the river and stuff like that. Wow. The fire was either so prominent. Like, this is also the time when Ohio had rivers catching fire. Yep, like or in, Cle- in the Great Lake. Or was that after? That was after. I think 71 was the year the Maumee caught fire. Oh, really? Yeah, from the Maumee or it may have been in Cleveland. Whenever the train fell in. Hmm. A train basically fell in and instead of extinguishing the train fire, it just caught the river on fire. So just like what they did at East Palestine when the train wrecked, oh, let's not clean it up. Let's just catch it on fire. Except it wasn't perfect. Like somebody wasn't there with a lighter catching oh, the chemical. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Like the river was so toxic. Gotcha. That it when just, they trained with its fire internally, gotcha. it fell in. It just ignited the river. Gotcha. And this is uh, this fire happened, I want to do the math, 16 years after they literally raised Chicago. You know, they did that? Or, yeah. Okay, so that when that happened, too, like, all in this time. So Chicago's going through a lot of crazy change. Also, we'll talk about the the mid to late 1800s with Chicago and why there were so many people there. Okay. Because uh, it was this was a part of the defarmization of the U.S., hmm. where pretty much all the farm kids yeah. were leaving their home to move to the city, and it was all moving to Chicago. Oh, wow. And that's probably, without being too consp- – like, without being conspiratorial – that's probably why the fire started is the buildings they were building. There were so many people moving to Chicago so fast. Yeah. The buildings were pretty much max match boxes. They okay. weren't being built very efficiently. They mm. weren't being built very well. And they were being built, you know, very quick. Like and they tight build together. Like they build stuff now. Yeah. But because there were so many people moving to Chicago at this time. Yeah. They couldn't keep up. Hmm. So they're literally like, if you look at all the pictures of a lot of the houses of the time, they are pretty much like piece piles of wood. On top of piles of wood. With a straw roof. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it makes sense why the city burnt. I guess so, yeah. The f- what started the fire is the, the, the thing. Yes. Why it burned is not as big a question. Right. Uh, so help flowed to the city from near and far after the fire. City government improved building codes to stop the rapid spread of f- future fires and rebuild rapidly to higher standards. Donation from the United Kingdom spurred the establishment of the Chicago Public Library. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, they actually, this is one of the biggest pushes for building codes in the U.S. It's because of the Chicago fire? because yeah. like I said, they were pretty much building stick huts <laughs> for these people to live in. Yeah. And charging a premium. Of course they were. And they were probably big uh, rich people, you know, rich groups, entities building them anyways. Dirt cheap and charging a lot. The cottage of Kathleen and Patrick O'Leary. Uh, and this is at 113, now 558 West Devonton Street. As the view suggests, the neighborhood was considered uh, the ma- uh, men- uh, with mean wooden buildings and a variety of industry, a combination that helped spread the fire of 1871 as rapidly as it did. A strong wind, and this was also during a drought, and it was strong winds blowing. Okay. So that's kind of what pushed the fire to travel very far, you know. Like wildfires out west, when the wind's really the driving force of moving them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the fire is claimed to have started around 8.30 p.m. on October 8th, 
in or around a small barn belonging to the O'Hare family. Oh. O'Leary. I'm sorry. O'Leary, not oh, okay. O'Hare. I'm, I you got, got the O'Hare's, airport on your mind. I got the airport on my mind. O'Leary family. Uh, you imagine getting blamed for this? Gosh, they got to blame somebody. And you're just these probably, I'm going to guess, immigrants at the time. Yeah. Uh, and you, they just blame you for billions of dollars in damage. That just gives you more, like, indicator, like, maybe this fire was lit on purpose. Because they already had somebody to blame right away. So, but there's tons of eyewitnesses saying that the shed was the, uh, next to the barn was the first building to catch fire. City officials ne- never determined the actual cause of the blade, but it rapidly spread the fire due to the long drought in the, sum- in the summer, the strong winds in the southwest, and the rapid destruction of the water pump system, explaining the exclusive or the extensive damage of many wooden city structures. So pretty much mm. Chicago was a wooden city at this time. Yeah. There was some stone. And when you get into the, like the heart of Chicago. Right. Like the granite buildings and stuff. But most of Chicago was still wooden buildings. The most popular tale blames Miss O'Leary's cow, who allegedly knocked over a lantern. Others state that a group of men were gambling inside the barn and knocked over the lantern. All I think are lies. I mean, it's hard. To, you can't yeah. say whether or not, but still I just think. Specu- still speculate and suggest the blaze related to other fires in the Midwest at the day. Hmm. That there was, and there, there was several other major fires in 1971 and 1970 mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Okay. Because it was just these conditions, like we talked about, drought, you know, winds pushing. Like the Lahaina in uh, Hawaii this past year. <laughs> like the conditions were perfect because they let it be that way. Yes. But no, it's just, you know, it's just that time. It just happened in the Midwest. But this was happened to happen near a giant tinderbox. Yeah. So the fire spread was aided by the use of wooden uh, as a part of the, as the most active building material. And they called the style balloon framing. Balloon framing, huh? Mm-hmm. More than two thirds of structures in Chicago at the time were almost entirely made of wood. Okay. Any great questions about this? Uh, no, but I'm going to do see what balloon framing is. Just the type of building, like right. the type of style. Well, I know like I know uh, timber framing and I know like matchstick framing. So once the fire had ended, the smoldering remains were still too hot for the surveyors to dam- for the survey of the damage to be completed for many days after. Chicago was a smoldering pile. Eventually, the city determined that the fire destroyed about four miles long area, averaging about a third of, or three fourths a mile wide encompassing an area of more than 2,000 acres. Destroying, like we said, over 73 miles of roads, 120 miles of sidewalks, and 2,000 lampposts. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just crazy. On October 11th, General P. Philip Chardon came quickly to aid in the city in place in charge of the proclamation given by the mayor, Rosewell B. Mason, to preserve the good order and peace of the city Nearby Institute, the Lieutenant General, P, you know, Chardon or whatever his name is, U.S. Army. They basically put it under martial law immediately because mm-hmm. 100,000 people were homeless. Mm-hmm. And this, if you look at the map of the fire destruction, it kind of destroyed like the heart of Chicago. Okay. But there's still tons of people living around the area that was not destroyed. Yeah. So there's 100,000 people that are hungry and homeless. Oh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. So they put it under martial law immediately. Any questions about this? Just it's all odd. Things weren't nice after. No, I can only imagine. I'm not going to go too much in it. Two weeks, the it was under martial law. Uh, there were some things that were happening that probably weren't too good. Oh, I can only imagine. I'm sure the beating of recently homeless people. Yeah, about 28 percent of the population was left homeless after this incident. Uh, that's off. That's horrible. That's extremely horrible. Mm-hmm. 
There was a lot. A sure. lot happened. Uh, there was a lot of monetary donations. Uh, some mandatory donations were also taken. Mandatory? Mandatory donations. Yeah, that's odd. Sounds like very, uh, I don't know, Big Brother-ish, like, like tax. Sounds like taxes. That's what taxes are, mandatory donations. Mandatory donations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is very, This is just interesting stuff right there. Yeah. Anything to say about the fire? Yeah, I just think the origins are uh, obviously still unknown, unproven. And I thought it was interesting that they even put that, that it's still unknown. Cause of the fire is still unknown. It is. I think maybe because now it's to the point where people are like, you know, when you tell them, oh, the... You know, the cow knocked over the landing. It's like, okay, but people are questioning it enough to where if they think about this subject, it's not really that much talked about anymore. But yeah, um, that seems kind of odd and weird. People might are people. I think just think people are questioning more things nowadays. So putting that in there is probably a safe way to just kind of throw you off the trail a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, we don't really don't know. They probably do know. <laughs> uh, here's one kind of cool, weird thing that I think the fires could have done. There's all this talk of, I don't, this is just what the people say, Roman architecture. Mm -hmm. Chicago was full of Roman architecture. Mm -hmm. If you look at buildings before the fire, they were beautiful, uh, a whole different place. I don't think they were Roman. It's the same thing we talked about with like Egypt Valley. Yeah. The the names. Yeah. They're talking about hieroglyphs and stuff. They seen hieroglyphs and they called it Egyptian. Right. I don't think I, I don't think it was Egyptian stuff. I think it was an advanced culture, just not Egyptian. I gotcha. I think the same thing happened here, where it's extremely advanced architecture, and all people had on their minds for that type is was Roman. Rome. And it's weird. It's almost if you look at the history of like our major cities, especially you know east of Mississippi or whatever. Almost every single one of them had a major fire, and almost each one of them has that amazing architecture as well too, where the buildings were just so they're all gone. Yeah gone uh everything was like tore down and they talked about this with the world fair and stuff like that in chicago oh yeah and the world fair is a weird thing too it's like they had amazing huge amazing buildings they built just for the world fair supposedly and then after the world fair was over they tore them all down well they the reasoning they said was because they're plaster it was all plaster it was all fake hmm. and because that's why they could put them up so fast and make them look so extremely decorate because they're basically mm-hmm. pouring molds yeah Putting it up is only going to last X amount of time. Hmm. So they know it's all going to come crashing down soon. Hmm. And I don't know if that's real. Like, if yeah, that's I don't the, know either. That's the story. Right, That's yeah. the real story that is being pushed out there. Gotcha. I don't know if that is really what that was for or not. Right, I'm just yeah. Because that could in itself be a cover story. So this Roman architecture in in Chicago was, some people talk about that it was an ancient holdover from the world before ours. Mm-hmm. Whether you want to say Nephilim or the giants or whatever was here, first, whatever culture was here before, they built these this basically a small city mm-hmm. compared to what Chicago is now, right? Yeah, and the Chicago kind of cropped up around it. Yep, and the fires were used to erase that, mm-hmm. rewrite history. Whether it was purposely the fires were set or they took the opportunity to right. just completely get rid of the old world, make a yeah, I don't know, turn a bad situation into mm-hmm. take advantage of a bad situation. Forget, I still can't think of that saying. I don't know what it is, yeah, but something like that. If you're out there listening and you know, uh, I don't know. I guess leave a comment. So, what do you what do you know about this Roman architecture stuff? Um, I mean, just little stuff that I've heard. I don't know if any of it's true or not, but I, I've heard it's in like multiple cities around 
the country. I've also seen old maps um, with a show like like old, old maps when Native Americans were still basically, you know, the ones in charge of most of the land around here where it showed like little cities with these buildings there on drawn on these maps that were like Native American tribes like living there. It's weird. Just weird stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know what I think about it, but I do think there was an older culture here before. I don't believe in the timeline. You know, Clovis, Clovis culture. That's who was here first, because that's already been disproven. But it's still in our mainstream uh, education system. Here's one thing I think a lot of people don't realize: it's like with North American, South American versus European mm-hmm. time scales. Mm-hmm. Is I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Aztec. The Oxford University is older than the Aztec Empire. Dang, that's crazy. The so you know, and that's according to conventional stuff, you know. Yeah. But the Oxford University started well before the Aztec Empire started. Dang. So there's, and then that's a lot of Roman stuff, right? Rome came into Europe. That's a lot of where European people came from is Roman. You know, that's the they're all the same kind of race. Okay. Genetically, speaking. right, 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 right. Uh, and they ran out the Druids, the native peoples there, you know, they got rid of a lot of people. Yeah. That's why there's all these cute cartoons of the, literally the Romans fighting the Druids in the forest. Right, yeah. Uh, so what if it is, what if we want to go Roman, if it is actually Roman, they just kept going. They just came here? Yeah. Kept going, yeah. Followed the Viking trade routes. Yeah. and Because we know Vikings came to North America well before anybody else did, as far as traditional history right. goes. Right, right. Before they, Christopher Columbus. Yeah. So what if they just followed that same route? They just kept going. They had better ships. They had better technologies than the Vikings did. So just came over. They got into the Great Lakes, started building cities. Can't you can't just uh, we talked about all that. Count it out, I guess. We talked about all that. Uh, oh, the uh, the mine, the mine. Was it copper? Oh, the copper mine in the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. All that missing copper. Yep, just gone. And very few of it. The few that's been found was in Europe. Yeah, and almost none of it was found in that area. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, so just interesting stuff. There's signs of maybe something greater happening in the Great Lakes area. Mm-hmm. And the Great Lakes are humongous. Right, yeah. There's a the Mammoth Kill Circle, the Great Lake on, under Lake Stonehenge. Yeah. yeah. Which is the other side across from Chicago is where the, stone, the Lake Michigan Stonehenge is. Okay. And they think it was a Mammoth Kill Circle, which I could see because they, they found smaller ones for deer and, and pig and such. Oh, okay. And it's just a big version of it. Yeah. So what did you do? You mammoths and mastodons. Man, that's crazy. You imagine running them into a circle and just stabbing a mastodon. Going through that. Do you think that's a cover story, though? Mammoth circles? I don't. Personally, I don't think so. I think that one is what that was, because we have smaller ones, and we know what they were used for. And it's pretty similarly built, just larger. And it's an area full of mastodons and mammoths. Right. That's true, yeah. Uh, Specifically, the mastodons were all over the Great Lakes region. It's just, you're going through such an effort to cut and move giant stones. Yeah, but... You kill one, you're good for right. Months. Yeah, I know. Yeah, true. instead of hunting deer every couple days. Yeah, one mastodon, and then you get to relax. Ah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's what we don't have enough in today's day and age: relaxation time. All right, let's move into some other stuff. All right, you ready? The weird signal blockers around O'Hare. Ooh, okay. O'Hare has signal blockers. Uh, and I had to look in because everybody knows I'm on some NDAs. It's some work we did in Chicago and stuff like that. So I'm not allowed to talk about this one. Uh, we were outside the airport's bound. I could see the airport, like the fence and everything, but we were on the north side of the airport. And 
our GPSs do not work. And we don't have like your classic car GPS. Like right. we have site GPSs that get us into several inches of where we need to be on the ground yeah. to start these survey sites for fish. Uh, they have to be extremely accurate for the data to be accurate. Makes sense. Uh, they don't work. At all. And I looked into it before we did this episode, and I could not find it where they said they had signal blockers. But most international or military airports have signal blockers. It's more found on uh, either high-risk targets mm -hmm. or on military applications. Okay. And that makes sense if you're using – like, say you're going to use a missile that's GPS activated or something. You want them to not – be able to activate yeah. it, yeah. So when they get closer, they stop working. You're right. Uh, I know for a fact that this happens. I couldn't find proof of it, but I had a GPS tracker that worked every other spot except around O'Hare. That's crazy. And we had full satellites and stuff. I'd get satellites, and then it just wouldn't work. Hmm. Also, uh, do you know drones? Like piloted drones are programmed to not go near these areas. What do you mean programmed? Like they're, they're privately sold drones will not let you go into government airspace. Oh, really? They'll back off and say that they'll give you a proximity warning and stuff like that. Wow. There's a famous one out west. Let me talk about links. Where they would go near like this. Basically, there's this cliff face and it's public land with government land tucked in the back. So they're trying to fly over the public land. Yeah. And the GPS in the uh, drone wouldn't let them go any further. And would say back off and it would just come home. It would do the come home command. That's weird. And this is not, that's not hearsay. That is documented, well documented that they are programmed for that. That's weird. I get why you don't want to pup a private owned drone going over military right. airspace. No, I get it. It's just the fact that they can. The same thing's happening it. here in Chicago, though, around yeah. O'Hare. Once again, I understand why. Yeah. The why is not weird. It's, it's just the that, fact that it's possible yeah. and they can control it. Yes. That's, that's crazy. Any, any thoughts on this? I mean, it's obvious there's something. I mean, I get it. You don't want things in your airspace around an airport. That makes sense. You don't want nothing like that. But So before, a long time ago, before we dived into all this, I thought the signal blockers were the reason the Mothman was around O'Hare. Okay. Messing with their radar or something. Yeah. Some sort of their biological, whatever they're from. It just drew just, them there. Yeah. Or it's messing with them and they can't get away from it. Okay, gotcha. Like a, literally like a moth to a light. Yeah. To where they <laughs> don't want to, but it's just frying their, you know, it's frying something in them and they just keep. Coming back like, towards it. I just learned, I think this is true, like butterflies, someone just, where would I hear this? I forget where I heard it, but butterflies, like their ancestors that were born, you know, laid or hatched in a lake down in Mexico, but they fly all the way up to Canada. That's monarchs. Yeah. Yeah. So they can fly. So they're like, how do they know genetically? Like, how do they know to go straight all the way in a straight line to this one particular lake where this one particular tree is? And they found that they had like these cones in their Head and they're like magnetically drawn yeah. or magnetically positioned, uh, yeah, positioned to go that way, and it's just in their DNA. It's in their. If I'm not mistaken, makeup. that's so that's monarchs, yeah, and that's actually four generations it takes it. Oh wow! They don't. It's not one single butterfly, right? Doing that journey, it's actually four generations of that butterfly, and they keep doing this pattern, right? Uh, in Mexico, they feed on where they feed on these the sap of these trees. Huh? They're massive conifers. And they actually end up breaking sometime from the weight of the butterflies. Oh, wow. You could literally see trees bending from how many butterflies are on it. That's crazy. You never think that would even be possible. Mm -hmm. It's it's very fascinating. But yes, something like that, where these signal blockers are messing with that ability, whatever yeah. it is, and they just keep flying into it. It's you like, know? this is where I'm supposed to go. This is where I'm supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Makes so sense. I just thought that was weird. Now I don't think so. Uh, the the end of this presentation. Oh, you don't think that it's the signal blockers? No, I just it. think it's 
I think it's weird they have it. I right. Just, you know, just something to point out. All right. The dumbs. The rich elite. So you've heard us talk about it on the show several times. Jimmy Woo's encounter with the O'Hare International Airport. Yeah, I believe we spoke about it too on Tony. Uh, that was the first on, time. On confessionals. Yeah, the confessionals. Yeah. So Jimmy Woo's story. Uh, I'm going to reiterate it a little bit. So doing water sampling onto these the tons and tons of water that runs over the international airports, air airfields, they have all kinds of space. They would see these gigantic concrete culverts. And a culvert, when I told the story for Jimmy Woo on the confessionals, people some people don't understand what a culvert or was. A culvert is it can be a corrugated pipe or it can be a concrete pipe. These are giant yep. concrete pipes that are about ten feet diameter that are paralleling the bottom of the river. They're not jetting up out of the river. They're on the bottom of the river, paralleling, ending in the river. So coming out almost like a... Uh, like if you were walking on the bottom of the river, oh, you I could got walk it. into them like a tunnel. I got the... Just like how Mario, not when he jumps into a tube and you push down, the tubes where you just walk, walk straight into them. To him. Yeah, just so that's like on that. the bottom of the river. Yep. Some of them were small. Some of them were like 10 feet in diameter. Okay. That's pretty big. Yeah, then you're huge. Big tube. And they had... They weren't... They could have the ability to pull water in, but most of them are just capped off. Yeah. Like they weren't finished or they, whatever. I have no idea. It's Jimmy's story. I want to talk about that place though. Okay. So that is at least, let's say it's not full of water and it's vacuums. That's massive amounts of space underneath the airfields. And we've talked about dumps, which is? Deep underground military base. Or I think, what would be? Drum. No, I can't. I can't. Drum? Spell. Oh, well, what are you well, trying just, to say? So the area is called Rosemont. Okay. I couldn't ever remember. With I just remembered the city was something rose because, as Jimmy said, the water tower is a giant rose. Yes. And so it's Rosemont. Okay. Which is an extremely high-end neighborhood. We actually have a couple listeners that either, I think they either live right there or they live in Rosemont. Yeah. And they were telling us there's some weird stuff that happens in Rosemont hmm. that maybe me like call-ish activity. Wow. That's scary. Uh, well, it's Chicago, so. Yeah. Well, so there's all this underground area in ro- in in the airport. Uh, we've we know that the government has areas that they go to for like in case of bombs. Yep. That one in the mountain out west was the famous one until somebody found it, and now it's actually a private home. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. yeah there's a, a few of them. Like a couple billion dollar house. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was the government's secret until somebody, well, a hiker, basically found it and told everybody where it was. So the government sold it. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, there's several of these. So this is the that is the the least conspiratorial explanation for what's underneath this. Mm-hmm. It's an international airport, right? You got everybody right there. So if you fly everybody in, they can immediately go into basically a bomb shelter. It has the ability to pull tons of fresh water. It has already a grid system, like uh, you know, sewage system generate. You know, yeah. The airport has all that already. Right. Uh, so is it something like the Denver airport where there's all this underground stuff? And it's there for the either the elites, the government, the rich during a crisis to fly in, right, and get immediately underground. You don't got to drive anywhere. You're there. You're just already there. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that part of that? Well, I think you could be. Well, yeah, I think you're right there. But then also your explanation for the Denver International Airport as to why they may have those, it maybe have similar ties to that too. Yes. Sure. So if you haven't listened to that episode, listen to our Denver. It's actually our most popular popular episodes ever. Really, it's Denver International Airport one and two. 
So you probably have heard that one. But if not, go check out our most popular episode ever. And you can find that episode on creepersofthecorn.com. There you go. All right. So the other kind of side is that this could be the government cabal. Uh, I don't think this one directly is sex trafficking like the Denver International Airport. Yeah. I think it's more built. Like they, they get people down there. Yeah. I, I think this one is and could be a government base, literally a dumb. Yeah. Because there's tons of weird... For O'Hare not being a government airport, there's tons of weird government connections to O'Hare. Okay. Like I said, with the signal blockers and yeah. some types of military personnel there instead of some police. And it's just weird. A lot of weird stuff with the O'Hare International Airport. So almost like it's just hidden, but unless so, you pay attention to these clues. With our Mothman of Point Pleasant, yes, we talked about the possibility of the underground base underneath the TNT plant. Right. And what did it have? It had the resources to water. Yep. And it had the resources to a power structure. Yep. And it had a cover source where people wouldn't question government personnel or extra personnel there. Right. International Airport has research or resources to giants amounts of water. It also has a cover of why there would be tons of people working there because it's a humongous airport. Airport, yeah. And it has connections to the military. Hmm. Odd. Just connections, right? Right. Similar creatures, similar things. Okay. Let's... Also, tons of UFO activity like Point Pleasant. And the biggest thing, Mothman yeah. entities. Yeah. So I just think there's something with this. And I don't know if it's a testing facility for new technologies. The next thing we'll talk about, we'll kind of get into that with this underground, possibly underground base. Okay. Uh, or is it just, you know, just basic government base, this place that's maybe also built to house the elites and... Uh, government personnel during a crisis. Gotcha. Or is it a cult meeting place? There's this there's talk going around that maybe Rosemont is home to this higher end cult. A lot of the houses, people in Rosemont are high end people, as in, I mean, you know, CEOs. Right. A lot of these rich people, know, basically. Extremely wealthy. So one percenters. Yeah. One of one. Yeah. One percent of one percenters. Wow. Because uh, I think if you make one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the in your one percent of the world's, you know, you're the one percenter of the world. Really? Yeah. Which is not, which is a lot more than I will ever make, but it's right. not like that much money, right? Compared right, to right, compared just, to salaries that, of some people. That, right. Exactly. That just shows how much how wealth is being distributed. Yeah, exactly. That's what the point of that was. Right. Is that most the most the world lives under like I think it's fifteen thousand dollars a year. You know, most Americans can't even afford a like a four hundred dollar emergency. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I can't. Some, I will I will kill somebody for that. I think I forget the percentage, but it's a majority of Americans, which yeah. eh. that's the point. Yeah. But to this where maybe it's a cult, this large private cult that's using this as a uh, as a base of operations. Mm-hmm. It was like there's some I'm not going to name names because I don't want to. There's some high end investors for the O'Hare, the building projects and stuff like that. You don't mean to name them? No. <laughs> But that maybe that's what they they wanted to make sure. I'll help pay for this giant airport. Just make sure I have places to meet underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just build me an office here, here. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have room for that. Well, I guess just put it under the building. Put it uh, 10 foot below. Yeah, there you go. And then build tunnels connecting it all. Oh, we might need water down there. Can you build these two? Yeah, I see how it all works. Mm-hmm. So tying into the government aspect, let's say this is a government base. That would also explain... Testing of government technologies. You have this giant airport. You have some of these technologies wrapped into it. So we've mentioned several times in this series, the Jetpack Man. 
Yeah. Let's talk about the Jetpack Man. All right. So I was trying to look into it. I can't really find a lot about the original Jetpack Man that was seen in like 16, 17, 18. Uh, but he reemerged in 2021. Holy crap. And he pretty much only harasses airports. Ah, okay. So air traffic control pilot warns that he sees a person in a jetpack a spotting flying over LAX. Hmm. This pilot just sees a guy go past him. Right, yeah. You imagine? No, I really can't. <laughs> so the air traffic controller warned pilots to be on the lookout for a man in a jetpack spotted near LAX, uh, which is another international airport. Yep, they, uh, Los uh, Angeles. Yep. They said, use caution. The jet, the jetpack man is back. Air traffic controller warns all incoming pilots or a radio transmission. Wow. Let me know if you see him, is another quote. And you imagine being a pilot coming in. Hey, be on the lookout. Jetpack man is back. What? I, th- I think I'd almost be excited. I would be scared. Scared of what? So the Federal Aviation... Oh, here's an interesting thing. The Federal Aviation Administration spokesman said that a Boeing 747 pilot reported seeing an object that resembled a guy in a jetpack at 6.30 p.m. Wednesday. It was about 15 miles east of the airport, flying at an elevation of 5,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. That's hard. That's hard on the human body. Yeah, but imagine if that fails. I mean, you got a, you got a few, I think, a minute to think about it. Yeah. A minute and a half, maybe. Uh, so air traffic controller alerted pilots in the area of the abundance, to use abundance of caution. SkyWest 3626, did you see a UFO? Asked the air traffic controller in one transmission. Uh, and he said, no, we are looking at what we believe is Iron Man. The pilot responded. Hmm. And by that, he means that it was a man in a suit. Suit, yeah, yeah. Several uh, aircrafts got the warning as they were approaching LAX, but the flight crew said they didn't see any more of the Jetpack Man. It's not the first time the Jetpack Man has been sighted near LAX. In October, a Chinese airline crew saw a person in a jetpack flying at over 6,000 feet. That's insane. And it was reported following the Chinese aircraft. How high do airplane commercial airplanes fly? I think, like, between five and ten thousand. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. That's insane. Yeah, I think ten thousand. Like, I think they only go up that high when they're trying to avoid storm systems. Gotcha. Uh, two commercial airline pilot or airline planes report seeing a person with a jetpack last August, indicating that the American Airlines crew, who said that the person flew within thirty yards of the plane, <laughs> it's so close. The FBI and the FFA are investigating the incident. So wait until you hear the FBI's theory. Oh, my gosh. I thought you'd get a kick out of this. The FBI floats a working theory on the jetpack man flying over L.A. Uh, the LAX circuit, you know, the 2004 was when this first time that it appeared. Okay. And it's, uh, when the spaceship had, or the spacecraft had landed on LA, they brought it back and landed on LAX. And then this jetpack thing started popping up. A restaurant, uh, there's this, the FBI has a solved the mystery. They say they had solved the mystery of the jetpack solved. case. Multiple sightings of what is said to look like a man flying a jetpack in the skies over Los Angeles prompted federal investigation. The week, authorities offered some details about the probe. The FBI had worked closely with the FFA in investigation reports of a jetpack sightings over Los Angeles area, none of which had been verified. Which I don't know. You don't understand how like scrutinized commercial pilots are. What do you mean? Like they can't, they cannot. You know, if they're on medication. They oh, can't yeah. fly. Yeah, we we I think we said that in the last episode. Like, yeah, yeah. They, like, stomach pills and stuff like that, they can't fly. Okay. They can't have anything wrong with them. Yeah. Let alone this. 
So when you say it's unverified, if these guys are risking everything to say, no, a guy in a jetpack flew 30 yeah. feet from the plane. Then it's probably it probably true. happened. Yeah. So they're working closely. So the FBI released a statement. We have one working theory as a pilot's might have been seeing. Think back to the classic Mothman episode. Sandhill Crane. Close. No, a weather balloon. Balloons. Oh, my gosh. The pilots are seeing nothing more. The FBI spokesman says the pilots are seeing nothing more than what appears to be balloons. So the FBI is just as smart as a uh, janitor science club leader. So the... Ta- <laughs> All right. So this balloon was apparently appearing on radar, both on the, the plane and on the radio tower station. Uh, it was moving. It just makes me laugh because it's that... They've seen it everywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 feet. Several different pilots over decades have seen this. And it's a balloon. Yeah, it's just a weather balloon. It's just a balloon. We're collecting data. It's okay. And it, we shaped our balloons like men to fly around um, and follow planes. Don't forget that one followed. So I do want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at, yeah. At several thousand feet going hundreds of miles an hour. Right, yeah, it's okay. They're just riding. Balloon. Balloons, you know, oh, that's probably makes sense because sometimes, you know, like when you um, let a balloon go in the air and it follows like chemtrails like perfectly, really fast. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you brushed right over that. I just can't handle it all. You're not entertaining. I can't, yeah. I just can't handle it. <laughs> I physically can't. Yeah. Uh, so, a few of the jetpack witnesses uh, had, and the, the, this jetpack guy's been seen all over the world. This jetpack right. person's the last couple of decades has been seen everywhere from Europe and everything. So a lot of the witnesses claimed that the same thing we just talked about, you know, how is it moving so fast moving? How's the jet? So some jetpack uh, experts speculate that the jetpack man is actually a dummy or a balloon attached to a drone resembling a person with a jetpack. That makes sense. You know, when you want to do experiments, you know, or at 6,000 feet yeah. ch- chasing a commercial right. jetliner. Right. Yeah. A drone. Yes. With a dummy attached to it. Now, the FBI, the, a European drone enthusiast, has developed such a model. Okay. They actually have one. Okay. Uh, it goes uh, maximum about 35 miles an hour. Exactly. And how high does it go? Probably several thousand feet. You I think would, so? Yes. It's it's an extremely large private drone. Okay. Some of those, like the camera operating drones and stuff like that. Can get up there? They, they can get way up. Okay. They can actually bother helicopters and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, but it just doesn't move fast enough. And change planes. Jetliners, it's not like a biplane. You know, it's no. not like going... They people don't j- realize how fast jetliners are going. Literal jet engines attached to them. I read the last time we looked up how fast jetliners are going. It's like four to 500 miles per hour. <laughs> Keep mind, I can get to Florida from Columbus in like an hour and 40 minutes, I think it is. I have no idea. That's like a thousand miles. I know I can go from here to Las Vegas or from Detroit to Las Vegas. That takes four hours there and then it takes three hours to come back. Because mm-hmm. when, when the jet streams. <gasps> oh, it's a balloon in a jet stream. Duh. So before we get to the largest part of this episode, I know we're an hour in and just now getting to the largest part. I do want to cover one weird thing that happened. I was trying to figure out what was weird about 2017. Um, and it's two weird things popped out. The lowest murder rate Chicago ever had in decades. Wow. Happened in 2017. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, the 2017 Chicago torture murders happened also in 2017. 
the torture incident. I'm sorry, not murderers, murder. Uh, we'll talk about that real quick. January 3rd, 2017. Uh, the victim was an unarmed white man. Their perpetrators were, and like, I say white man because it comes prudent to the, like to the you, story. You meant uh, he had no weapons or he had no arms? <laughs> had no weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being dumb. Uh, the perpetrators were Jordan Hill, Trey F. Cooper, Brittany Covington, and Teresa Covington. Okay. So four people. Yes. Uh, all all African-American. The main motives were racism, ransom, and political prosecution. The verdict is they all pled guilty. Uh, convictions, and they all got different convictions. Okay. Uh, convictions, Brittany and Teresa got hate crime, intimidation, and aggressive battery. Hill and Cooper got hate crime, aggressive kidnapping. Hill, okay. So these guys, before I tell you how long they were sentenced, uh, they... Caught this guy. Now I'll read it. In 2017, four perpetrators, like I already mentioned, had uh, committed a hate crime and other offenses against a white, mentally disabled man. Oh, jeez. In Chicago, Illinois. The attack... Oh, before I continue, this is a warning for everybody that may have kids in the car. You know, skip forward a couple minutes. Yeah. Because uh, this gets bad. This isn't just a murder. Okay. Like, bad. There's your warning. Uh, the attackers were two black men and two black women. They laughed as they kidnapped. They physically, verbally, and righteously abused this victim. The incident was live-streamed on Facebook. The victim met with an adequate amount of high school, or he met with an acquaintance at, after high school at a local McDonald's on New Year's Eve. And on June or January 3rd, was found by police officers and appeared to be suffering from uh, numerous in, uh, injuries while being led by one of the perpetrators on a sidewalk. Was they, yeah, I think. They caught this guy on New Year's. I think I vaguely remember this. Oh, this was, the, yeah, it was bad. The four perpetrators were arrested after the incident was live streamed. On, on Facebook. On Facebook. I remember this. They're all given plea deals. Oh, I didn't, this I didn't know. Yeah. I remember this happening. I vaguely remember the video. An 18-year-old mentally disabled man. Yeah, I remember this. They had him like in the corner of this. Uh, he was in the corner of like a room. Yeah, they were beating him, yeah. stabbing him, cutting him. Well, I guess I don't. I remember seeing like little snippets of it. They still. He allowed. is alive. He is alive. I think oh, I may good. have said murder a second ago. I didn't mean that. I just okay. Meant, like this is horrible. Uh, so he was kidnapped uh, from McDonald's from Streamwood, Illinois. His victims were in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, according to police reports, Hill had stolen a van which he had passed off as his own and picked up the victim on December 31st. Hill had the victim sleep in the van while spending three nights visiting friends on the west side of Chicago. So they kept him in the van as like a pet uh, that they abused for hours. The four had him tied up, tortured, beaten. They cut parts of his scalp off with a knife, Jeez. made him kiss the floor, lick the floor, Forced him to drink and eat out of the toilet. Oh my gosh. They broadcasted this attack while they were laughing the whole time on various live streaming platforms. Um, they were saying F white people and forced the victim to repeat this shouting F Trump and such. They demanded a ransom from the victim's mother of $300. $300? Mm -hmm. $100? 300 That's not even 100 for each of them. And it still took the police a long time to get around to finding this. That's for $75? You're going to do all this? It wasn't for the money. 
It was clearly it was, it was, it was hate crime motivated. Uh, so do you want to talk about what they got sentenced? Oh well, by the the way the tone in which you uh said how that. long would you sentence somebody for kidnapping and torturing a mentally disabled man? I mean, and how old were these kids? I don't have their ages, but I'm going to assume. I mean, they were in comparable. high school. They were in high school because it said they picked he them up. He wasn't. He yeah. He, picked no, them up no. after school. No, the the victim was meeting friends after high school at a local McDonald's. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so I, the people we don't know. Okay. Um. Shoot. I don't know. I mean, that seems like a pretty bad offense, especially when you filmed it and put it online, so mm-hmm. the evidence is right there. I mean, if I were a judge, you'd get a few years. A few years? Yeah. For cutting the scalp off a mentally handicapped man? Yeah. I mean, maybe more, but... I would... Yeah, they're no age. Life, for me. Yeah. If you caught, tortured, let him around on a leash... Oh, gosh. Cut chunks of his scalp off, and we're cutting things into his skin. Yeah. I guess I just don't know. They didn't murder him. I don't know. It's bad. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. It's they awful. They probably would have. I don't if know. They didn't get caught. Yeah, I don't know how. I honestly, I'm not a good gauge at legal system and sentencing time, but it's bad. I'm not. I'm, it's really bad. It's sad so Hill, too. Hill got eight years in prison. Okay. Cooper got seven. Good. Teresa got three. Okay. And Brittany only got four years of probation and two hour, two hundred hours of community service. So she didn't even go to jail or prison. No. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. No, I didn't mean. But that's it. I that's there was. So why I included that in this? Yeah, is this is hearsay? Like we talked about several things. Uh, there was apparently, and like I said, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but there was some satanic stuff that may have been tied into this. This whole th- that they ordeal. May, yeah, that they, they said they did this as a part of going against Trump and all this stuff. There were some people that tied it into either being a cult initiation. Hmm. Or a gang initiation. Yeah, like they were put up to it. Yeah, that they were put up to it, and they were, and they, they weren't forced to do anything. Obviously, but you know that they were. This was there was other motives than what was presented. Right. And that that's probably why they got such least like such little lenient. Sense, yeah, because it was all about it was all connected. So there you go. Man, that's crazy. It may have tied into the cult stuff. Is the only reason I included it, and it happened in seventeen. Yeah. And then you know we talked about how many Mothman sightings were in seventeen. Oh yeah. Because they. Abused a mentally handicapped man. He released the Mothman. <laughs> it was trying to save him. Yeah, there you go. It was oh, looking for him. Too bad it didn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Man, now we're going to talk about the real reason. Okay. Do we want, Before we get into it, you want to take a quick little ad break? Oh, it's probably way too late, but yeah. maybe. Let's do it. Let's take an ad break. We'll be right back, guys. If I can hit the right button, I don't. Let's go with that one right there. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we are back. Hope you enjoyed that ad. And if you didn't, maybe you'll enjoy this little ad for Flavors of the Forest Garlic Breath. You can find it on their website, flavorsforest.com, or check our show notes below. And back to the Mothman. All right. I figured out what caused this. And this has been a pain in my side since we went on to the confessionals and I told a story. A pain in your side? Oh. Yeah, because uh, I, I I I'm not saying this is the Hydron Collider that I got beside but they said this one. So this the Hydron Collider in Batavia, Illinois, which is inside of Chicago. Okay. People do not know this exists because it's full of trees and plants around it. Okay. You do not see it from the outside. So please, you know, or please. So you're just walking around, you know, oh, nice trees and plants, beautiful. Hydron a, Collider, trees, plants. No, it's a wildlife area around it. Right, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just someone hiking through. Ooh, there, you know, nice. Ooh, there's a nice, uh, you know, Great white pine still standing. Oh, there's native flowers. Oh, there's the Hydron Collider. Because uh, I had my encounter when it was, I think, 18 or 19, 2000. You know, okay. 18 or 19. And everybody was like, no, let's do that now in 2011. We'll talk about it. But we're going to talk about the Travatron, I think is how it's pronounced. T-E-V-A-T-R-O-N. I have to see it. T-E-V-A. Travatron. Travatron. I'd have to see you. Eh, no, too bad. Travatron. You want to look at it? Yeah, sure. That's definitely right. Trevitron. Look quickly under uh, Bactavia. Oh, okay. Bactavia. Where's that at? Right there. Uh, where's Bactavia? Look up the big black words. Oh, uh, <laughs> Tevatron. Tevatron? That's what I would say. Tevatron? I Teva. Don't know. Tevatron? Yep. All right. We're going to talk about the Tevatron. There we go. This is a particle accelerator. Uh, I'm gonna. It's an accelerator trite. It's Staphorthornitron. Its beam is proton. Antiproton. Its collider is its type. Uh, its beam's property, its maximum energy is 1 TeV. Don't know. Well, a lot of, I'm not, a, yeah. Maximum luminosity is 10 or 4 to the 10th to the 10 32nd power. Okay. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Its circumference is 6.2 kilometers or 6,280 meters. It is in Bactavia, Illinois, which is like in Chicago. Yeah. And when you look at this on the map, it is so weird where it's at. I'm going to like up right now. Bactavia? Bactavia, Bactivia, I don't know. Okay. Activia. That's what I kept thinking in my head, too. Now, here's this weird thing, okay? Okay. It does say, if you, look at it, if you just look this up, it says operation from 1983 to 2011. Oh, like it's done. Yeah. And it's definitely not. And it's owned by... Fermi Lab. Fermi, isn't that who yes. owns CERN? Yes. Wow. Okay, that's very odd. Mm-hmm. So who owns Fermi Labs now? Well, I'll look it up. <laughs> so uh, this is actually a part, this is help of the particle detector data uh, and to help find the Higgs bosons. I hate that word, <laughs> both of them. By decaying into hydrogen jets and electrons. Uh, yeah, it's a very neat thing. So the Travatron is a circular particle accelerator active until 2011. 
as they say. In the United States, the Fermi International Accelerator Laboratory, also known as Fermi Labs, East Bactavia, Illinois, and the second largest energy particle accelerator ever built. Seriously, the second? The second largest ever built, and it's in Chicago. But don't worry, it was only active to 2011. Oh, yeah, and then, then we, you know, we just, what do they do with it now? Or what do they do with it after that? We'll get to there. Yeah. It's a large hydron collider. And a European organization of nuclear research, CERN, near Geneva, Switzerland. The Travitron is a, and this is a bunch of, it's basically a, it accelerates proton and antiprotons in a ring that ends up to, I don't know what TEV energy is. Okay. But that's where it got its name is Travitron. Okay. Is that type of energy that it, it's, it's producing. I think Tevatron. Tevatron. Teva. Teva. Yeah. So Teva energy. Uh, in 1983, it cost $120 million to build, but it was significantly upgraded investments, which made during the you know which made it during active from 1983 to 2011. The main achievement of the Trevatron was its discovery in 1950 or 1995 of the top quark. A quark? Yes. Okay. Okay. The last fundamental Fermian prediction by the standard model of particle physics. Hmm, okay. So they the Travitron discovered... Like the smallest particles. Yeah, but that it make made up. everything make sense for a lot of these mathematicians that have had these theories for hundreds of years. Hmm. Hmm. Not, suspicious not the full thing. theory, hundreds of years. No, no. Kind of the, thought, the line of thought. No, I get it. Particle physics. Just particle physics yeah. in general. Yes, I get it. I'm, mm-hmm. This is suspicious to me. Oh, no, it gets... Baby girl, this gets... So bad. So it looks like Teva Energy mm-hmm. is a uh, uh, just an uh, what would you call it? A dis- just a distributor of energy. You know what I mean? Like a company that distributes energy to people. Okay. I think. I'm, I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking it up right now, though. But keep, so keep going. So on July second, two thousand twelve, which keep in mind was after it was supposedly closed. Scientists of the CDF and DO Collider Experiments team at Fermi Labs announced the findings from the analysts of around 50 tr- or 500 trillion collisions produced by the Travitron Collider since 2001. 50, or no, I'm sorry, I keep saying it wrong. 500 trillion collisions it has produced. It's produced that many in its existence? Since, no, since 2001. Okay. Okay, that's For a, that's a 10 lot. 10 years, a decade. That's a lot. 5 million? F- no, no. Five hundred trillion. Five hundred trillion. Oh my gosh! T with oh a my T. T. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. And found that the existence of suspected Higgs bosons was highly likely, with a confidence of ninety nine point eight percent. Later improved to ninety nine point nine percent. Gosh dang. Okay. The Travitron ceased operations on September thirtieth, two thousand eleven, due to budget cuts. Because of its completion of the Large Hadron Collider, which began operation in early two thousand ten. In a far more powerful array, plan engineers were two set were two seven V TV the TEV beams. The large hydrogen collider compared to it's only one that the Travitron produced. So the the one at CERN in yeah. Geneva, yeah, produces fourteen times the output that this one produces, <sighs> and this is the second biggest one ever built. Wow. Okay. So uh, wow. So they're producing energy. Basically, kind of. It's a byproduct of their experiments they're running. Right. Yeah. Because okay. they're they're accelerating particles until they hit each other. Right. 
Well, right here, I'm just looking. I looked up Teva Energy. It is a bit. It's a bit Teva Energy LLC. Um, here's an article from Bloomberg. Teva Teva Energy LLC provides solar water heating technologies. So I think what this no, this is talking about the type of energy being produced. I don't think it's. I think it's the it's, unit of measure. I'm talking about the unit of measure. That's probably what that's named after. Also. Okay, let me look up the unit of measure then. It's, it's t, hard. To, it's big T, little e, big V. Oh, Tev Energy. Okay, TV Energy. Okay. The, the Travatron ceased up. I, oh, sorry. But yeah, the main ring of the Travatron is probably to or is probably to be reused in future experiments, and its components may be transferred to other particle accelerators. So that's what they say. So basically, they built this giant thing. They're like, ah. Oh. And it closed in 2011. Yeah. And they're like, hey, maybe using the future for other experiments. But the big guy over out in Geneva is doing all the work. The majority us. of the yes. work. And it, to be fair to the scientists, it is 14 times more powerful. Right. But so why build it in the first place if they already had that one built? Or why spend no, no. docks? They, they built this one in 83. Oh. They didn't. They, the, the one in so, Switzerland wasn't finished until 2010. So this one was just the trial run. The it first was the first one. one. It was the yeah. first one. Um, so a TEV, T-E-V, stands for a tera electron volts. Um, an electron volt is a unit of energy, obviously. So it's just a very small. It's just this type. Yes. So I want to talk about some history that this thing has discovered. And I'm, don't worry, I'm going to connect this back to Mothman. Okay. Because this is just, there's a lot of bad stuff with large hydrogen colliders. Yeah. You, you know think? how many scientists beg them not to turn these things on? Um. Probably just the smart ones. Yeah, because they were like, well, there's chances black holes. and Like, we don't understand these. Like, right. Uh, I can't remember who said it. We became, basically, we became gods without wisdom in the 30s and 40s, splitting the atom. Okay. You, It's the power of a god without any of the wisdom. Right. Same with this thing. Horrible, horrible we thing to have. We can do stuff like bending reality and physics and stuff. We do not understand it. Because we don't understand we reality. Are, we are a monkey with a machine gun. Yeah. That's scary. We can make it work. Just, we can't control the consequences. So they saw the breaking ground of this linear accelerator. Uh, what do you want to know about this stuff? What do you, as far as like particle accelerators? No, one, this one. Just this one in particular? So, I, I wonder what they were using it for, but... It, it almost. I can tell you what it's used, they used it for as far. So let's talk about the discoveries this one made. The Travatron has yeah. confirmed the existence of several subatomic particles. Okay. They were predicted by theoretical particle physics. They gave suggestions of their existence. In 1995, the CDF experiment, the DO experiments, collaborated to announce the discovery of the top quark. And by, and by 2007, they measured its mass, which is 172 GeVs. Okay. It's a precision of nearly 0.1%. And in 2006, the CDF collaborator reported its first measurement of a B obsidiosons and observed the two types of sigma baryons. In 2007, the DO and CDF collaborator reports detected observations of a cascaded B. I don't know what that I I don't know what that means. Almost all of that I don't know. It, it's all subatomic. We're talking You're about right. stuff small, so small. That's smaller than atoms. Right. Yes. That makes up atoms. Supposedly makes up the pieces of atoms. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It almost, honestly, to me, I don't. Th it's almost like they're making it all up. I don't think they are. Now I think that's the problem. Yeah. Is that they're talking in such high levels that ninety nine percent of the population can't understand? Yeah. Like, I don't know anything. This means I got a rough idea, but nothing right. real. You know, nothing real. No, nothing I can actually 
not a fish. Fully. Yeah, exactly. It's not a fish. I know what it does to fish, and it's not good. No, probably not. I don't think if you accelerate anything at the speed of light and slam it into each other, it's not good for fish. So in September 2008, uh, the DO collaborated report detection of a double strange, which is an Omega baryon with a measured mass significantly higher than that of the quark model predicted. Okay. So they discovered two weird things. It was heavier than way it was way heavier than predicted, and it was an basically a new thing. In May of 09, the CDF collaborated made a public their results for their search based on the analysis of data simply roughly four times larger than the one used by the DOA experiments. This mass measured for the CDF experiments. It's just a whole bunch of science mumbo jumbo. They're discovering tons and tons of new stuff at this one. Mm-hmm. Right in Chicago. That's insane. It's just, I looked it up where that, Bever, Be, what is it? Bever? No, I can't remember the name. Whatever we just said. Mm-hmm. It's west of Chicago, like on the western, it's a western suburb of Chicago. Yeah. Just south of Aurora. Like it's bumping right up to Aurora. How many times do we say Aurora with Mothman sightings? Uh, Tons. Did we? Yeah. yeah. I, I, but it's right there by like, not like not close, close, but like Bolingbrook's down there. Like there's all kinds Rockford, of. Rockford. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff is there. Right. Exactly. And there's actually, I bet you if we painted the map over with the Mothman sightings, I bet you there'd be a nice little ring around Bactavia. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, Batavia. There we go, yeah. You keep putting like a C or something in there. There is a C. Bactavia or Batavia? B-A-T. I, you know me. I think it's just Batavia. It's, it's Batavia. Batavia. There we go. Okay. I'll say, you say Batavia, I'll say Batavia. Batavia. Sorry, Bob. Bob? Yeah, because he, he lived in Chicago Oh, I, I was, I had the, the mushroom. mushroom on my mind. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> All right, uh, so they actually had some problems in 2004 due to an earthquake. Okay. The earthquake, uh, even though thousands of miles away, was strong enough to cause movements in the magnetic alignment to negatively affect the quality of the particle beam and even disrupted them. Wow. So they actually were doing experiments at the time of the earthquake, and it started messing with the actual alignment of the experiments. Okay. Nobody's quite sure what happened. They immediately... They immediately stopped and fixed it. Yeah. Because it was scary enough that they stopped. I wonder what results came from that uh, from that problem. Uh, and several other earthquakes affected it. 2004, 2005, 2007, and 2010, 2010 twice. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, a lot so of every times. time, pretty much every time it was active during these. So let's talk about, so it stopped working, right? They stopped using it in 2011, right? Right. So it can't be connected to all these Mothman sightings in 17 and all of it on. Oh, no, not possible because they turned it off and they and they meant it. They're serious. So this is while the uh, main injector, which is the smaller ring on the property, and then the Travitron, which is the larger ring, is owned by Fermi Labs. The property is still bustling with Fermi Lab activity. It is still mm. probably the largest Fermi Lab complex in the U.S. Hmm. Doing everything from organic experiments with wildlife. Oh, no. To particle acceleration. Oh, no. So let's talk about this. The Fermi International Accelerator Laboratory, always known as Fermi Lab, like we said, it's Bactavia, Bactiva, Bat- Batville. I'm just going to call it Batville. Okay. Uh, it's a high energy particle physics. Uh, like we said, all this. Fermi's main injector, which is two miles, it's a smaller one. If you look up the map, like Google Earth it, everybody. Yeah. The small ring is the main injector. The big guy is the Travitron. Okay. 
Uh, the accelerator complex feeds the main injector, and under uh, under it is an upgrade. The construction of first building it, the PIP two linear accelerator began in two thousand and twenty. So, they didn't stop in two thousand eleven. No, they upgraded both of them. Yep, and I just found this. I mean. Until 2007, or since 2007, Fermilab has been operated by the Fermi Research Alliance, which I'll figure out who funds that next. Um, a joint venture of the University of Chicago and the University Research Association. But then right here it says, although in 2023, so very don't, recent. Do not, do not take my thunder. I will, I will kill you on this one. About the new contractor? Stop. Is that it? You just save your stuff for later. All right. So until two, so until 2011, the Fermi Lab was home to this giant, the Travitron, right? The ring-shaped tunnels, and they stopped using it, right? Right. Oh yeah, of course, abandoned, probably. It's also the host to a multi-billion-dollar deep underground neutron experiment. Oh my god! Which is called a deep underground neutron dune. Dune. Yeah, dune, just like from the movie. I was thinking like a dumb. Well, I was thinking maybe that's why they made they the started movie. They started construction of this in 2011. That's why they stopped experiments. Not because they were done. They, they had just to build shifted. stuff underneath the ground. Yeah, they're shifting to another. <sighs> the project had significant delays. And in, 2000 and t- in 2022, the Journal of Science uh, each published, they, uh, published an article describing the projects was troubled. Ongoing neutron experiments at the at the image cons- or the imaging cosmic and rare underground signals they basically started building giant underground bases underneath the site at Fermi Labs on-site experiments outside of this program included Sequest which is fixed targeting experimentation and the new G2 Fermi Labs continues its pr- particles and its work at the Large Hadron Collider it serves a tier 1 site the worldwide H H or sorry LHC computing grid. It is still being used. Fermi Labs Quantum Institution in 2019 since 2020 has also become home to the subsequent Quantum Materials and Systems Center, which is an asteroid. Uh, basically, they're studying an asteroid there also. So okay. so far, they are doing deep cosmic research out in space. They are doing underground neuron stuff. And they are also studying meteors. Neutron. There. Neutron, sorry. What did I say? Neuron. Neutron. Oh, my yes. gosh. It's okay. A lot of big words. Yes. So they're studying space and underground mm-hmm. at the same time. Yes. So what's the connection there? There's got to be some sort of significance to both. Oh. Oh, there is. Okay. Uh, they probably opened a portal to hell. Yeah, I was going to say they're summoning, de- they're summoning the dark overlords. So- this is literally Howard the Duck. They started refiring the Large Hydron Collider in 2013. For all the people that said, I cannot tell you, when we went on Tony's show and how many emails I got to saying that they turned it off in 2011 and how dare I say I was there after. And I'm not even saying I was at this one, but at one. Yeah. It's still active. Still active. No, but I did a Google search and the top result was not that. So I'm right. So the proton improvement plan, recognizing higher demand for proton beams and new support of experiments, Fermilab began to improve their accelerators in 2011. Huh. Coincidence, right? Yes. Expected to continue for many years, the project has two phases. Proton improvement plan one, which is the PIP, and proton Proton improvement plan two, the PIP two. Hmm. So the PIP one was from 2011 
Two. Now, current. 2018. Oh, okay. And they started using Hertz to replace old hardware and increase the reliability of their operations. What started starting this PA, the replacement of the pre-accelerated injectors was underway. They basically were, they upgraded it from 2011 to 2017 and started testing it. Okay. With way, way, way advanced technologies compared to what it was built with in 1980s. Gotcha. So upgrades. So we went from having a couple Mothman sightings to having a lot. Makes sense. Fits the timeline. The PIP-2, which started after 18, was a plan to deliver a 1.2 MW protein beam power of the main injector for the deep underground neutrino, or sorry, not neutron, neutrino experiments. It just, it's just crazy to me. That's kind of crazy. Uh, basically, by 2020, the Travitron had nearly completed its boosting ring in order to take advantage of the existing electri- electrical and water of the, the re- original infrastructure. Uh, the PIP-2 lance will help lower energy beams transferring lines. A radio frequency quadrupled and the medium energy beam transported. They never stopped. It's still going. They upgraded it in 2011. Yeah. I told everybody they stopped using the Hydron Collider because everybody was freaking out because yeah. they just opened the one in Switzerland and all these scientists were saying it's going to create a black hole and it's going to kill yeah. us all. So all the people in Chicago were like, we don't want this one on. Right, yeah. So they said, okay, we'll turn it off. 2011, we turned it off. Which they, they did. And they, then they upgraded yeah. it to hell and back, literally. Yeah. So they did turn it off. They just forgot to mention they... Turned up, it back on. They upgraded it significantly and then turned it right back on. So on-site programs since 2020 as uh, intensely informed of the particle physics, especially neutrino physics, and rare physical searches using Newman's. A program exploring <laughs> nuclear structure is also continuing. Newman. That's what immediately I thought of. So it just... You want to hear some of the on-site programs they have going? Sure, yeah. So they have the ANI, which is the Accelerator Neutrino Neutron Infrastructure Experiments. Okay. Which is still being ran. The Deep Underground Neutrino Experiments. Still being ran? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. Uh, the Sirius Experiments, which they don't nobody knows anything about. Okay, it's spelled like the, the star Sirius, I'm sure. Yeah. S-I-R-I-U-S? Yeah. Okay. The Mini Boo Ini, which is just the Mini Booster Neutrino Experiments. Okay. The Macro Booster Neutrino Experiments. Oh, nice. The Main Injector Experiments with versus on as the original structures. The Mune to Electron Conversion Experiments. Somebody, I know we have some listeners that do this kind of work, and I've probably upset them so much by reading this stuff, like just how I'm mispronouncing it all. If we have, just leave us a comment. Let us know. What, they've, they've been pretty nice, but it's yeah. just, it's still running. Fermi Labs is still doing experiments. Uh, they transported a 60 ton, or no, sorry, not 60, my bad. I misread that. A 600 ton magnet to Fermi Lab. Oh my gosh. In. 2013. This oh, is, so this is part of the upgrades. This is part of the upgrades. 2013 is when we started seeing significant rise in Mothman, Mothman. sightings. Mm, wow. So, some electromagnetic phenomena is disrupting the, the space between dimensions, and it's allow, opening portals, allowing these things to spill through. 2017 
is when they dramatically improve the magnetic electron field uniformity. And they have done it at Brookhaven, which I've been at Brookhaven a lot. Uh, yeah, so basically 2017, 2018, they started adding these massive magnets to their experiment field. Dang, okay. Basically, uh, oh, you can if you want to know, you can. they have open access laboratories. Uh, to this day, does not host classified research, they say. It does not host mm-hmm. classified? So everything they do there is public? They say both scientists and the public could easily access the site for research, educational activities, art programs, and recreation. Okay. Except uh, when you showed up around one, you were surrounded by men with guns. Which I didn't say it was this one. Right, not this one. But, but I was also probably in an area that the public still can't get to. Yeah, yeah. This is insane. But it's, you know, wildlife park. There's a wildlife park. Uh, they brought in five American bison on site. Do you know how much controversy this started? What, bringing in the bison? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. So they brought in five American bison on site, a bull and four cows, in addition to 21 provided by the Illinois Department of Conservation. Locals believed that at first the bison were introduced in order as a sort of alarm system for radiation or other exotic particles that the lab may be producing. Oh, wow. Because okay. they put them right by it. Yeah. So if they change or if something about them happened, they would know. They got called out immediately. Yeah. That's the same thing that was happening out west with all these weird experiments. They put cattle on them to see when they started dying or exploding. Yeah. To be like, okay, maybe we're doing something bad. Then the, all the people are like, is that what that's for? Right. No. The canary in the coal mine. Exactly. Just happened to be bison. Bison in the particle accelerator field. Mm-hmm. They also host a Christmas bird count that has occurred every year since 1976. Uh, working with the Forest Preserve District of the DuPage County, which I've worked with. I, I can say that. Worked with those guys a lot. Okay. Fermilab also introduced barn owls to selected structures around their grounds. Okay. Well. And my last kind of thing before we start really tying tearing into this is Trentium on site. During running particle beams. So, do you know what Trentium is? No. Neither do I. Well, let's find out. It's TR. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. TRIT. Or, sorry. TRI. Tritium? IUM. Yep. Okay. Which is an isotope of hydrogen, yep. hydrogen consisting of a proton and two neutrons. It is weakly radioactive with a half life of about 12 and a half years. It can bind. Okay. Here's where it gets dangerous. This can bind with water and form tritiate water. Tritiate levels measured on site are low monitor tritium levels on site at a surface of the sewer waters and provides useful frequently asked questions sheet for those who want to learn more about the tritium water leaking into their stream systems. Oh. I have probably touched tritium water. That's probably what gave you uh, lung lungworms. Worms. At, the, at an informed meeting for potential bidders for a management contract held on March of... First of 2023, presentation slides indicated that although a rate of tritium levels leaving or leaving site is below the required standard, there's a significant tritium buildup on site that represents a challenge, as quoted. They're producing a lot of this tritium as part of their experiments. Um, it's uh, let me. I got one more. Okay, paragraph, go ahead, and then I'm done. In practical, the tritium produced is uh, is bedlined. 
It sent to neutrons for experiments in Minnesota and has been pumped into the industrial water cooling system <laughs> used for equipment across the Fermilab campus. As a result, it could now tritium contaminated largely throughout the research complex and in the local waterways. Hmm. Well, this makes sense, though. Here's here's pr- tritium mm-hmm. is produced naturally in the upper atmosphere when cosmic rays strike nitrogen molecules in the air. Tritium is also produced during nuclear weapons explosions as a byproduct in nuclear reactors. Nuclear reactors. Remember what we speculated about, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Point Pleasant. So do they have a nuclear reactor underneath the Chicago International so, Airport or at this Batavia and then it's leaking into the water supply system? Which runs through the airport. Which runs right through the airport? Yes. No, I don't know. But they have admitted that they have they they have underground bases there. And they said they built this underground testing facility. But I was trying to look into it. I don't I couldn't find anybody saying they seen trucks of dirt going anywhere or coming out or anything. I think they just had a bunch of storage underground. What if the the facilities were already there? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the joke. Okay. Is it there's... Like they built this back when the Chicago fires were happening, maybe. I don't think that far back. <laughs> well, I mean... It's... No, I think it was in the 1960s when they built it. Or 1980s, I'm sorry. The 1980s when they first built it. Yeah. They just kept digging and put all this underground stuff. But I mean, you never know. So there's tons and tons of horrible experiments that humans barely understand happening here. Yeah. And there's... There's biological experiments I could find nothing about happening at Fermi Labs. Because then you say they had animals and stuff in there, right? Yeah. Well, they also have wildlife sanctuary and such. But yeah, it's it's horrible. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's the same thing with Point Pleasant, where we're like, I wonder why there's all these Mothman UFO men in black sightings. Where's all and the then ju- you're like, oh, there's a giant radioactive nuclear base. All right. If you're listening to this show and you're an investigative journalist around in or around Chicago, here's a hot lead for you to- Don't do it. You'll die. Well, public needs to know. Tritium. Tritium. You'll have, like, your mouth full of tritium. <laughs> Just test the water for tritium and see what you come up with and follow that rabbit hole. I don't ever... Follow the money. That was never one of the ones we tested for. Hmm, I wonder why. Uh, probably because it only occurs with nuclear testing sites and several, right. in the upper atmosphere. But w- wouldn't that be worth testing for? No, we did radio- We checked for radioactivity. Right, but, I mean... If they're containing it, remember you got to pay these. You got to pay for each type of chemical you're testing for. Mm. So, yeah, if the government can't make money off it, they're not going to test for it. Well, that was private sector is what we were being paid for. So they they you know had to pick and choose what they were wanting. Gotcha. Lying with statistics. Selenium was much more dangerous at the time. True. Well, yeah. Is tritium like? Is it dangerous though to people? Because they probably don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it breaks down. Like that's they were. They said they used it to test, like, the, what What was it? When It is radioactive. Oh, okay. Well, that's not Lightly. Good. Very lightly. Yeah. What's it called when it, something degrades or, like, like half-lives? Half-life. What's mm-hmm. that called? Is it degrading? Yeah. How fast is it? Okay. Decaying. So, decaying. There we go. I knew it was a D. Decaying hydrogen molecules. Yeah. Wow. So here's the health risk is, since stream produces low beta emissions, it is not dangerous ex- externally. The beta particles are unable to really penetrate the skin of humans, but it is right ra- or it is radio. It's radiation hazard is, is extremely risen if it is inhaled or ingested via food or water. Mm. So don't drink it. Organisms can take up to HTP that would that would also take up H two O. So basically, they can read it, breathe in the tritium water, mm-hmm. or they could take in. Plants convert this uh, to an organically bonded tritium. 
which is consumed by animals, uh, has a short bio- biological half-life in the human body, 7 to 14 days, which both reduces the total effect. It doesn't look like there's anything, at least being actively reported, anything that it's right screaming like, hey, this is... But it's concerning to know, like, it's showing up in our water supply, and the only two ways that happens... Oh, tritium was used in also in, like, glowing dials and stuff like that on old watches. Like, it glows a little bit. Oh, okay. Interesting. So let's, let's, let's go back. Let's, let's dive in. Let's talk about this. So, originally, they, they brought in, like, everything from the bison they brought in. Yeah. And how much CERN stuff? Like, this is CERN. It's very concerning. <laughs> I don't want to find the button. We're already like an hour and 50 minutes into this episode. 50? Yeah. Holy crap. So what do you think? I think they have an underground uh, energy facility and experimentation lab facility just like in the Stranger Things. And they're doing crazy freaking experiments trying to tap into other dimensions and and whatnot. And, but they probably – and they're using their own energy – like source lab thing to to power it all that unbeknownst to the citizens of Chicago or the U.S. in general, people don't know this stuff's going on right under our noses. And then when they caught on, what'd they say? Uh, hey, we shut it down. Wait, we shut it down. We shut it down. Don't worry about it, baby yep. girl. Yep. Don't worry about it. Just stop the wheels before they get turning too fast. Upgrades, people. Right. And then they bring in a 600-ton magnet. Magnet. That's insane. What's... What, what would anyone need that for, for anything? Other than, unless you're working in a scrapyard and you're in it's <laughs> But so they started doing like deep space cosmic stuff, meteor studies. That's weird. Biological studies. And this deep planets, like they started doing yeah. these really odd experiments, at least. As above, so below. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something up in space. No, I think they literally opened a portal and that's what they're studying. And they're using all this as a cover. So you've seen Howard the Duck, right? Yeah. So literally, they're pointing that thing up in the sky, shooting that energy beam into sky, sucking these things from the Dark Overlords from whatever galaxy they claim it's from, but it's probably just a different dimension. And they're sucking these things to Earth. It's probably just the, whatever evil entities are trying to take over and run everything. It's probably they're pulling their buddies down with them. Or down or up. So I don't know. The same thing we talked about. Um, also, the U.S. Department of Energy is a major contributor to the Fermilab yes. in Bactavia. And, oh, what I was going to read to you earlier. Oh, sorry. In 2023, the Department of Energy... Wait, let me pull this right back up real quick. Just uh, last year. Um, Oops, not that one. The Department of Energy is... Wait, where did I put that? Uh, Well, poop. Okay. Anyways, Department of Energy in 2023 is looking, is looking for new uh, facilities and new bidders. For um, these, I guess, experiment or energy that, you know, under energy, they're bidding new facilities. So this one might be on the outs. They might not be doing the things necessary that Department of Energy wants done. So look at the already They started putting the wildlife sanctuary on the edges of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. What did they do with Point Pleasant? What did they do with the TNT plant? Um, they covered it all in like water and whatnot. Well, wildlife preserve. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They literally made it a wildlife preserve. That's right. Yeah. It's what the government does. That's true. When it's so what I what I think happened. Do you want to get into final thoughts? You got more to talk about. No, let's get into it. What I think is happening is that they stood the same exact thing. 
like when did when did uh the lab you know the lab closed down in the 40s there they moved on they started doing these experiments that they did not the same thing with the bombs mm-hmm. like oppenheimer talked about it was so much more powerful than they were than expecting. anybody expected yeah the same thing happened here they built these large hydrogen colliders the first the biggest one ever keep mind everybody this one in chicago mm-hmm. till 2000 and what did i say 2010 until 2010 it was the biggest one ever they build it. They start doing these experiments. They, immediately, we have demonic-like entities, also prehistoric things, cryptid things, and still some classical Mothman started popping in. UFOs started popping in. Well, like we at the beginning of this episode, twelve different types of Mothman entities. But it's just creatures from somewhere else. Yeah. But Chicago also has all kinds of other extremely weird phenomena happening. But it also could be, you said biological experiments. What if they're like meshing? Oh, I think they're catching these things. Or what if they're creating them too? I think uh, I think it's a hodgepodge of it all. Yeah. Like a Greer said. And, you know, yeah, Greer. You know, we all, I have my opinions on Greer, whatever, doesn't matter. But he was talking about these weird shaped objects they'd have. Mm-hmm. They turn on these deep, they turn on these laps. And these, he said these things that look like they were from hell would come out. Gosh. And start running around the lab. Yeah. I think that's what's happening, is that they either opened a portal or a scar, like we talked about in Point Pleasant. To di- like lower dimensions? Lower, higher, sideways, doesn't matter. Yeah. It just It's picking terms at that point. Yeah. To somewhere else. And Gosh. good, bad, and indifferent things started spilling in. Yeah. But they may be able to open and close this one. Just like Stranger Things. And pull. I think the one in Point Pleasant they had no control over. Mm, okay. I think whatever they did there was the very fundamentals, and they just blew a hole yeah. and covered it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What do you think is happening? Well, I mean, all of the above. <laughs> and then no, the bison. That's weird. I think they, I think exactly all the citizens were 100% right. Yeah. Are those canaries? Yeah. What? No. It's, it's I, either. I wanted bison in downtown Chicago. Right. It's normal. They're for you guys. Because the cow thing was already a dead giveaway. So, yeah, we'll bring a bison instead, another large bison. 30 bison. Well, they brought in, he brought in six, the director of Fermi, and then the government gave him like 24 more. Yeah, here's more. Make it not so obvious. You should, you should look if Fermi Lab still has their bison. Oh, that's a good idea. Or if they all just vanish one day. And you said earlier that Fermi Labs received um, Department of Energy funding to further develop nationwide quantum network, right? Yeah. That article, it came out, it's on dot, uh, dot .gov website um, in October 16th, 2023. They just received more funding. Oh, they're always going to. This is in. This is in Chicago. Yes, yes, that's insane. And Fermi I just, Lab. Bison. I just think it's so interesting when we were on Tony's show and I talked about the particle accelerator, and you know that story. I don't. I don't think it was this one. I think it was a different one. But everybody's like, eh, close down in eleven because oh. it's when you just type in one thing. That's what it looks like. You do a little bit more research, you realize, oh no, it upgraded. They kicked it into high gear in 17. <laughs> like way worse. Way worse. Whole different level of technology. I Googled the the uh, bison mm-hmm. and here's the another gov article came up under Fermi Labs web. So Fermi Lab is a government facility. It says it, it's there. It's a shared government facility. It's yeah, it's a government funded facility. Yes. So here's the article. Fermi Lab is known for cutting edge experiments, particle physics research. And an adorable herd of bison. They still have the bison. Oh, wow. 
That's at least that's what this article says. There's no date on the article, but they don't have any tongues or eyes, oh, wait, but they're there. Last modified in 2022. <laughs> yeah, no tongues or eyes. Oh man, this but is it's crazy. Just how many connections are there? It's the same thing. You have the underground bases. You have these e- extremely weird experiments, government's funding. And then what do you have? You have paranormal activity all around the area. You have everything from these giant men with trench coats to flying things to, you know, to oh, pterodactyls. Here we go. As of spring 2022, the head count on the herd is 32 individuals. So they must be shipping some of them off or they're getting eaten. Or they're falling over dead because their their brains are melting out and their guts are falling out of their orifices. I think they're there for whatever comes out of the portal to have a snack. <laughs> or aren't bison really aggressive too, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So no. maybe it's there to like trample and stomp these things. Like, no, I think it's for like the dog free and the, the dog this... men and the ten foot aliens coming out of the holes to eat. To eat. Oh, it's just yeah. It could just be meat from the eat. Yeah. No, I think they're just because they need something to kill to calm down. You're right. Yeah. They'll just okay. They come out of the portal and there's just a bison there and they rip its throat out. Well, they might have these bison turning, but then they might like you know wrangle one up and lead mm-hmm. it into the down- underground lab and have it just like in uh just actually well, you haven't seen it yet. Still, I don't think the stranger. Things I last season. It. So in the last one, they uh, kept spoilers. Sorry, it's, if you haven't seen it now, it's on you. It's on you. Sorry, but this ain't really that big of a spoiler. But they have a uh, Demi Gorgon in a uh, chamber, like uh, kept up. It's caged up. Yeah, but every now and then they'll bring people in to, and they'll let it out, and it will come in and just like fight the people, and they want them to fight back, and it will eat them, and that'll basically satisfy its urge to kill. And then they put, and then it goes back in the cage. There's a Russian movie with the same thing. And this this just takes place in Russia. There's a Russian movie that came out relatively recently. It's probably before Stranger Things. The final season came out, uh, where it's an alien that lives inside of a person. Okay, it's an intelligent species, but it's it's it needs a certain compounds that are only found basically on Earth and human brains or in brains in general. It doesn't care for animals much. It will DMT, uh, but it's hyper intelligent. Uh-huh. And it's kind of trapped too. And they basically this guy it bonds with the lady, and they escape together because it doesn't really want to do this. It just kind of has. It just to. has to survive. Okay. Because it kind of turns into an animal when it's way too hungry. Okay. But it's other than that, it's hyper intelligent. It's kind of big and like I, I need to get off this planet because I'm just destroying everything. And it might be like a different dimensional and it entity. Looked, it looked really bad. It looked like a cobra mixed with spider. Yeah. It sounds inside your brainstem. It might be like a different dimension, you know, like fourth, fifth, I don't know, whatever dimension. And it, this 3D dimension that we're living in is uh, incompatible. Yeah. So it needs that. Whatever. I think that's what's happening here. I think it's Fermi Lab. <sighs> well, yeah, 100% it's Fermi Lab. That's confirmed. And it just happens the airport's near. That's crazy. You know uh, why everything's seen at the airport? Because there's people always watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what do we talk about? Rockford. Has tons and tons of sightings of extremely, extremely odd paranormal activity. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm. I think it's. I think it's the same thing. It's just the the next level. Yeah, I would. I would encourage. You're having, I think the pterodactyls are time slips. I think they're messing with not only space and reality, but also time. Because it might all, you know, um, be tied together. I think above our understanding, it is. Yeah, and that's what I talked about. You know, a minute ago with. Humans have the technology of a little G God right, yeah. without the wisdom. Right, yeah. You are literally shaking the fabric of stuff you don't understand. Like the top quarks. What if that is, as far as we understand, or maybe we don't know, but that's the fundamental piece of reality. Yeah. And that when you start pulling at them, 
weird little th- threads start unraveling. Right, yeah. Stuff from the side comes out. You know, the yeah. extra dimensional stuff starts coming out. Stuff from the past, stuff from the future. Corner monsters. You know what those are or not? Mm-mm. Oh, people see them in, like, the corners of, like, your rooms. Oh, it's yeah, it's what started with the back rooms. Yeah, yeah. Like, little entities will shoot out of them, or it's mm-hmm. through them from one to the other, and that's it. Weird stuff. I don't know. This has been a heck of a ride. Yeah, it has been. Um, yeah, I encourage anyone to just research this a little more, like, see what you can uncover or dig up, or and I will see where the rabbit hole right goes. Now about all the mispronunciations I had when we got to the sciencey stuff. I mean, not I, fish words. If, if you've been around long enough, you understand. If you're new, you know this is just part of the part of the show, I guess. But and like, I know I didn't do a good job of like diving into what the KVTE experiments are and stuff like, but there's so many experiments. There's so many things. Yeah. That we could spend hours. And we already spent hours doing this. Yeah. We could spend hours just going into one of these experiments. That's insane. It's just, it's just not, they have a pond on site. Have you ever looked at the pictures of like on site and stuff like that? I looked it up on the map, like Batavia and there's a big like circle. Did you ever look river. inside? Of the main lobby? No. A lot of weird stuff. A lot of weird architecture. I believe it. The two stairways like meld together to form a DNA strand. No way. But it's it's a triple helix at the top. So it's what some people have said that is extraterrestrial DNA. Oh, my god. So it gosh. looks like it turns from our DNA strands to a triple. Hmm. That's so weird. Symbolism everywhere. Mm-hmm. And but those... they admit that. They, they talk about the DNA strand. Like, yeah. It's a bad thing. That's crazy. Nope, didn't know any of but that. But here's the thing is, the people at Fermi are not bad, I'm sure. Like, 99% of the workers. Yeah. We talked about this with, like, Area 51 and all, you know. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They have their own experiments. These are scientists. They get the chance to do their dream. Like, why wouldn't you follow your dream? It's the combination of this stuff in a very small part of the lab that probably knows anything about the real bad. How it's all on. connected. Yeah, it's probably all compartmentalized within exactly. those guys. Yeah. Like. How government functions and does mm-hmm. stuff. Just like with the Manhattan Project and. All sorts of other things. Supposedly how Bob Lazar claimed, you know, his claims with the UFO stuff, all compartmentalized. That's what I think is happening here. So I think a majority of the workers at Fermi are probably great, fine people that have no idea what's going on, you know, in the next room over. Oh, here's what I was looking for earlier. It says in 2023, the Department of Energy opened bidding for a new contractor due to concerns about the FRA, which is the Fermi Lab or Fermi Research Alliance uh, performance. So that's interesting. New contractors, huh? So like letting other evil companies and well, because because of somebody wasn't sufficient. Just to concerns about the Fermi Research um, Alliance performance. Yeah, so somebody was not performing right. They right, too exactly. many of the beast out of the box. Yeah, so they're looking for a new contractor. That's insane. That's scary. So what if the giant bats are genetic experiments, and they just get big? They're just bats. Same with the Thunderbirds. Yeah. The Mothman is literally Mothman. The few Mothmen that are seen are from the same place they are. And there's demons and angels, all kinds, of, and UFOs. Look up pictures of this place if you haven't yet. Well, well, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of you are driving and you're listening, but... When you get home. When you get home, just look up some pictures of the old Fermi lab there in Batavia. It's weird. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah, this has been a crazy ride. Well, we solved it. <laughs> we definitely did. I'm sure if you could sneak on to Fermi Labs and start digging up, you'd just find Mothman skulls. I could just. Everywhere. I bet you they they probably put them in front of the particle accelerator and destroy them immediately. You, well, you can't destroy them; they're made of tritium. Ah, oh, so they degrade over time. They're water dissolvable. 
I have been the great and powerful mystery. And I think I've been J-Clone 47? I don't 30, know. 40, uh, I don't know. 40. We'll catch you next week, guys. Bye! Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn Podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review, and remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.